It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. Akiva, today we have the third-ranked New England Patriots. Our favorite team. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because this is a podcast that's been delayed a couple of times. And we were we intentionally delayed it actually a couple of times because we wanted to make sure that the uh, judge's ruling came down on Balgazi, as I refer to it, or Deflategate, as the uh, more uptight media refer to it. Um, and then we got then we got delayed another couple days. And, and in hindsight, I guess it's really good that we did because the consequence is that today, outside the lines, ESPN just dropped this massive piece on sort of the background of the Patriots cheating and, and you know, the, the, the theory being that the that the overzealous actions of the NFL in the last few months were a reaction, a corrective, a makeup call, as a few owners explicitly called it, for their um, their their complicity in the cover-up related to Spygate. Really, the timing is very interesting about this. Yeah, I, the, the truth is, just about any day this offseason that we had a Pats podcast, there would have been something to talk about. You know, they've been in the news pretty much every day. But yeah, but this art. well, in terms of this article, clearly, they were waiting to get the results of the, the hearing. Right. And then and then they print it on a Tuesday because they're not going to print it over a long weekend. But yeah, I mean, Don Venata, he is like, you know, he's like one of the best investigative journalists in the country. And I mean, this is a serious piece. And to be fair, I haven't read the entire thing yet, but I've read I've read sort of outlines and discussions of it on a number of websites. And I've read the first half of the article myself and I will read the rest of it. But but not uh, in time for us to record this podcast. So, uh, you know, l- let me ask you as a Jets fan, because the the initial thought that people had of of, of Spygate while we're on that one is that this was something between the Pats and the Jets, and it was Mangini getting back at his former team. And, and, and then, of course, everybody knew that the NFL destroyed the evidence, you know, and it was sort of assumed it was done by Goodell to cover up for his buddy Kraft, but, but nobody really knew or cared that much other than Jets fans, who obviously hated the Patriots for a number of reasons. Well, Rams fans um, probably cared, too, since they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl where they got spied on. Yeah, yeah, but, but, and, but now that the evidence shows that, you know, that there was just a series of, that they, I mean, there's a, at least 40 different teams that they had recordings of, plus Plus, you know, they were at, at home games. They would intentionally cut out the microphones of, of you know, the, between the quarterback and, and, the, and the middle linebacker and, and, the, and the coach on key plays that, you know, that they were stealing playbooks from, from hotel rooms. I mean, do you as a Jets fan feel somewhat vindicated that your whining from 2007 has sort of, uh, you know, been vindicated a little bit? No, because they still, the Patriots still have their four titles. 
Um, you know, it, I think it's almost like I don't even blame the Patriots. I blame the league for enabling them. Like, why are the teams allowed to control the frequencies that they, you know, go to the quarterback or the defensive captain? Like, what, you know, why is that the league not has the league not been charged that for 20 years? Like, they've allowed well, yeah. the Belichick oh, sure. Brady regime yeah. to run amok. And, uh, you know, this well, is the things and, they get. And to be, and to be fair, I, I wouldn't implicate Brady in that. You know, he, and I'll say this when, when A-Rod slapped at, uh, Jason Veritek in the, uh, ALCS in 2003, and that became a meme on the internet with, you know, the person, all that. And people, and people in New England were saying, oh, A-Rod's a cheater and all that. I disagreed. I said, no, no, no. As a player on the field, you do whatever you can to win. You know, if you're running for this a touchdown. It's like Ken you, Herbeck uh, lifting the guy's leg off for space oh, and shooting. Yeah, he didn't do anything wrong. Look, if, if you're running down the field and your knee grazes the ground, should you get up and say, sorry, guys, my knee hit the ground? No, you get up and keep running. It's up to the officials. It's up to the league to enforce the rules. And one of the reasons why Balgazi has been silly is because – you know, eight or nine years ago, it was Tom Brady and Peyton Manning who went to the NFL and said, hey, guys, listen, can we have control of the balls, not the league, because we want to doctor the balls to be more to our benefit? And the league said, sure. So then to turn around and make a big deal out of what Brady subsequently did is is completely insane. Um, and, and now and now it seems like the evidence is, well, it was a makeup call. And, and makeup calls, by their definition, are bad calls that you make to make up for a bad call in the opposite direction. And of course, two wrongs don't make a right. And Roger Goodell, it's hard to me to imagine that he keeps his job, but he's kept it for so long that, that who knows? I mean, he's, uh, you know, I think at this point, the owners like, ha- they don't get blamed for anything. They like having him as the guy who's literally going to be blamed for every single thing. Well, and the article quotes repeatedly the owner saying they were pissed at Goodell for what he did with Spygate, but they're happy with what he did this time. His overzealousness is what they wanted to see. But if overzealousness backfires, you know, well, let me ask you, Akiva, if you're making a prediction, will Roger Goodell... You know, he's already trying to make himself not seen. He's not showing up to the game tomorrow night. Will he be the one to hand the trophy over to the winner of the Super Bowl in February? Yeah, I mean, what they'll probably do. Listen, Gary Bettman gets booed every year that the Super, that the Stanley Cup finals are not in California where the fans are too dumb to boo. Um, you know, and, and he still do, and he still hands over the trophy. Maybe they'll do something where it's the 50th Super Bowl. So, you know some you know some legend hands over the super bowl instead but yeah he'll be there it's not like he's not going to be at any games this year well so that, that here so no i agree with you the answer to that one's probably yes but my next question is will he be the commissioner of the league at the draft next april yeah i mean he makes like 45 million dollars it would cost a couple hundred million dollars of fire not that the league doesn't have it if they absolutely needed to but i i don't see i do think it's possible um but i also think it's a little bit like the wwe and vince mcmahon like the people who follow WWE like hate Vince McMahon, but they they don't watch it. Yeah, but Vince, Vince McMahon's also the owner there. He's the right, CEO. right, totally. But he, but it is a public traded company. Of the I guess, like unless he owns over yeah. 50%. percent, no, no, there is a board, and I'm sure there would be a process. Um, well, you know what? So let's bring our Pats fan in to uh, join this conversation because I'm sure that he will have some opinions. So joining us to talk about the Pats today is Michael Clark. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for having me. And thank you to Bill Simmons for saying no. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Well, Bill is actually not allowed to be on any other podcasts as part of his non-compete until October. So he actually told us, he said, I will come on the podcast, but you have to wait till October. And we said, listen, Billy, it's 32 fans in 32 days. So we're turning to Mike Clark. And actually, now that you mentioned Bill Simmons, I mean, now he's obviously almost being tongue-in-cheek as, as a Boston homer. But his comments on Twitter today were so idiotic. He went on a rant about how the, the Panthers weren't actually that good of a team 
team, you know, that the Patriots beat in the Super Bowl. And the Eagles always, you know, crashed at the end in the Reed McNabb era. So therefore, and it's like, so therefore what? Like Richard Nixon would have won in 1972 over McGovern in a landslide, regardless of Watergate. That doesn't mean the fact that you don't really need it doesn't absolve cheating. You know, rich people aren't allowed to steal money because, well, they're already rich. I mean, that lot now, you know, and it's also interesting, I'll say that the Pats came out with a statement today and they were very careful. They did not deny any of the allegations in that article. What they did, they denied taping other teams' practices, which was related to the original Spygate with the Jets. But this article doesn't talk about taping practices. This article talks about taping 40 games, you know, taping the sidelines during games, which is illegal. Tape it, and then, as we said, you know, stealing the playbooks and, and cutting out the mics. And But it, they, the Patriots did not deny any of that. What they did is, in their statement, they said that Bill Belichick is an all-time great coach, and Robert Kraft is an all-time great owner, and Tom Brady is an all-time great quarterback. And that's all true, but that's all obvious. I mean, that's irrelevant. So... Yeah, you know. I remember I was watching SportsCenter a couple weeks ago, and <clears throat> uh, Steve Levy randomly just reads a like an apology to the Patriots for um, just like false reporting on stories that ended up like later being disclaimed. And I just remember watching that and saying, "I don't know what Steve Levy's talking about. What what's going on?" And so, like reading the outside the lines thing today, I said, oh, "Okay, maybe that's what they're referring to." Well, no, that was a specific. Yeah, that was one source in 2002. Yeah, and that that has been disproven. But you know, this is as, as we said before you came on. Don Venata is was one of the premier investigative journalists in the country. You know, he's won Pulitzer prizes for his coverage of Al Qaeda, for his coverage of uh, you know, I think like the the 2000 election in Florida and China, I mean, very serious issues. And this is, I mean, this is a deeply, deeply sourced article. Um, yeah, but the apology was for, and, and there's been no question that there's been a lot of misinformation, especially as regards to the Balgazi scandal, you know, which, as we said, wasn't really nearly the issue of what, of what was going on, you know, vis-a-vis Spygate and the other issues between 2000 and 2007. And there's been a lot of misinformation. In fact, I think Patriots fans have a good argument that this entire thing stemmed from a false tweet that Chris Mortensen said, Right, about eleven of the twelve balls. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, there's certainly been a lot, a, a lot of false there. And but um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if uh, if you can really impugn Vanetta. And you know, I think he has ninety sources in this article. And you know, my dad went to college with Bill Belichick, and he said Belichick was famous in college for he organized an entire uh, array of, of former exams that other teachers gave. He called it uh, Mesora. But um, Akiva, you didn't get my reference, did you? I did, but I had no idea where you're going with that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was just trying to say that Belichick's been a cheater. I mean, the, the article talks about this this Ernie Adams, who's sort of the consigliere and the man behind the scenes with, with Belichick all the way from prep school, actually. And, and he was the one who, you know, they started this process in a more rudimentary way in Cleveland. And, you know, Belichick, obviously, once he got to the big time, he was he, once he got a second chance as a head coach, he was going to do everything it took to win. Yeah. I what think, do you think Ernie Adams gets paid? Like, what is it? What, what's, what's the job being his like right hand man? you know, looking at all the videotapes. What is that job pulling down? Well, the article says that Art Modell openly said in Cleveland that he would pay any other person in the front, in the office, $10,000 if they could tell him what Adams did. Because <laughs> nobody knows what Adams did. Adams just did the dirty work for Belichick and it was, you know, it was don't ask, don't tell, basically. And also the article says that he's independently wealthy. He's the second wealthiest guy in New England after uh, after Robert Kraft, the article jokes. Ernie Adams? So, yeah. He's so so he... Okay. Yeah, so he's independently wealthy, and, and uh, he's also a fan of, of, of ratty old sweatshirts. So maybe uh, him and Belichick really do have a lot in common there. Maybe that's their business, the Schmata business. Yeah, and that's how they made all their money. I do think that, that Goodell is much more to blame here than, than Belichick, frankly, for the same reason that I thought, you know, to, uh, to, to sort of 
drop another hot take and, and enrage more people. I always thought with the Penn State scandal that Joe Paterno was worse than Jerry Sandusky in the sense that, look, Jerry Sandusky is a monster. And a monster, you know, is completely unforgivable. But Joe Paterno was a regular person like you or me who had an opportunity to do something about somebody who was who was bad and decided for his own convenience and for his own enrichment to, to look the other way and cover it up. And so, you know, Sandusky was beyond hope. Yeah, exactly. Now, again, I'm not comparing cheating in football to the terrible thing Sandusky did, but but I, I I can't relate to Sandusky because he was an animal. He was subhuman in, in his crimes. But I can I can relate to somebody who comes across that like Paterno did and, and, and you know and really did the wrong thing in a, in a dramatic way. And and Goodell clearly, you know, he, he's put what he defines as the league's best interest over over accuracy and honesty. And it, and it's hurt a lot of people. It's hurt a lot of teams. And you know the Patriots benefited from it apparently for years, but but suffered the consequences this offseason. And, you know, Mike, tell us what it was like to be a Pats fan this offseason, wanting to celebrate, you know, a fourth Super Bowl title. And yet you had to deal with all this Michigas, as we say, sure. that was distracting. Sure. Well, you know, I remember specifically, uh, I called my father uh, a couple of days after the AFC Championship game. And it was in the afternoon and I called him and I said, Dad, like, I want one Super Bowl. I want one that isn't like clouded in mystery. I want one that people can't point to and say, yeah, but you cheated. Like it's I just, want a Super Bowl even if it is clouded in mystery, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take a cheating Super Bowl. <laughs> <Yes>. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, lose, I'll so lose the cheating Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult to try to have a sophisticated, uh, fact-driven conversation with someone about the Patriots when the only thing they'll come back to you with was, well, they're cheaters. Well, they cheated. I personally always held out hope that Tom would be playing in week one. Um, and I'm really glad that he will be. I, I, it, it was difficult. It, I mean, of course, like I was very happy to have won the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I need to stop doing that. I didn't win the Super Bowl. My team won the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> But it was just it, it was it, it was difficult, and I lived in Massachusetts at the time. Uh, I moved back to New York since, uh, and like, you know, there's a lot of homerism and a lot of the talk radio, like really, uh, you know, trumpeting the Pats and celebrating them. But like, I understand that a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be hate listening to it. I understand the fact that you know I support a team that you know 31 others kind of scoff at so it's 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 hard but you know i'm a loyal patch fan yeah, what I'm actually looking forward to is seeing some of the um, you know more well-reasoned Pats fans that I follow on Twitter and that I read, uh, you know, in my various media consumption, how they'll react to this because they've been very defensive and dismissive all off season, and again, I think rightfully so because ultimately the facts this off season really were not you know were, were favorable to the Patriots. You know, not, not did did Tom Brady do absolutely a hundred percent nothing wrong? No, I'm no, sure. No. I'm, I'm sure that he didn't mind that the balls were deflated. But but ultimately, the consequence for that is supposed to be a twenty five thousand dollar fine and move on. Nobody cares, right? Sure. 
And so, you know, the witch hunt, which again, now we see was, was, you know, again, quote unquote, a makeup call. Um, so, you know, Pat's fans were really aggrieved and some of them I thought were getting a little homeristic, but I thought that they had sort of some validity to that. So I'll be interested to see how they react to, again, Bill Simmons is a home where I'm dismissing him, but, but people who are, you know, like, for example, I follow Michael Schur, Ken Tremendous on Twitter. And also he has a podcast with Joe Posnanski and, you know, he's, he's a reasonable fella, I think. And so I'll be interested to hear what people like him have to say, um, but you know what? Ultimately, again, the goal is to win, and I don't fault the cheaters. I fault the the people who are supposed to supervise the cheaters. So, sure. um, you know, I, th- I, I think Goodell is, is. I think if Goodell could do it again, he probably wouldn't laugh maniacally when someone <laughs> referenced "good job doing what you did to the Pats." I yeah. probably think he would do that over again. Yeah, Goodell's although really like a textbook villain at this point. But but it's so funny because the owners, I mean, in that article, the owners were quoting as saying, oh, if, if if he was in Congress, he'd be the majority leader by now. It's like, what planet are you living on? If Goodell had an elected position, he would have lost in a landslide. You know, Fortunately for him, his position is only elected by the owners. So I think that a lot of the owners are, are living in their own little you know cloud. And, and, and the well, argument but it's for a, Goodell- But it's a lot of people, not all of them, but there's a lot of people who, you know, have, have you know, sort of uh, – gone about through their own nefarious ways or you know people like ziggy wilf and uh hey hey, hey. And, and 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 haslam brown's owner who were like you know constantly under or you know where people like woody johnson who basically inherited all their money so it, you know under various legal suspicions you're saying <laughs> in their acquisition of what i'm just saying like these aren't like the most upstanding people who are just interested in having someone who's a good guy like they're sole concern for goodell is is he making the money and he is so who cares in their eyes yeah and but uh, the part i wonder is are they making money because of Goodell, or would they be making? money? Oh yeah, I think way? if we, if we, you and I were co-commissioners, they'd be at ninety percent of what they are right now. So yeah, so that and look, um, people hated Bud Selig and thought that he sort of looked the other way and was involved with the cover-up of steroids for many years. But ultimately, while it may stain his quote-unquote legacy for whatever that's worth, he you know got to a commission until he decided to retire of his own accord. So. We'll see what happens with Goodell. He's certainly he's a villain, and it's enjoyable to have villains. And so, from that perspective, I almost you know, like when David Stern left, it almost made the NBA more boring in a sense. Yeah, and Stern came out, and I think Stern is in favor of Goodell and was anti Berman. Well, but these commissioners are all going to stick together. Sure. Vis-a-vis, you know, they're, they have you their know, own they, separate special commissioner club. Yeah, but yeah, but they don't they don't they don't want you know federal courts intervening on on their jurisdiction. But, I would um, say that every time I read an article about uh, the court ruling, and I would see Judge Berman, I would always picture Chris Berman as the judge, and like Tom <laughs> Jackson as the bailiff. And- <laughs> oh boy, that would be bad for you because I think uh, Chris Berman's a Bills homer. So I hear right. no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. That's just a yeah. rumor I've heard. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's turn to this actual team on the field. Uh, as I understand it, the New England Patriots will be taking the field. Uh, all all forty eight of them, including Tom Brady, tomorrow night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Minus the so, Garrett Blunt, but okay. Uh, that's sorry. That's true. Minus the Garrett Blunt, who I have on my fantasy team. So I hope that whoever replaces him doesn't do too well in Week One. But I would also imagine that Tom Brady is going to throw for about six hundred yards and ten touchdowns tomorrow night. What do you think? I, I think Tom will have a good game. I think Tom uh, likes to play against uh, the Pittsburgh secondary. He's going to miss LaFell, of course. But yeah, I can see Tom in FU mode tomorrow. All right. So talk a little bit about the offense, some of the changes that the offense has made. Um, you know, as we said, Blunt looks like he's probably going to be the leader uh, in the backfield with uh, with Stephen Ridley gone. And and uh, there was talk of Jonas Gray, but but obviously he is no longer part of the picture either. And and then at receiver, as, as you said, you have uh, LaFell is, is injured. 
And uh, in the offseason, also Shane Vereen left, who you know got caught a lot of passes out of, out of the backfield. So talk to us a little bit about who he has around him in the offense and you know what changes you think they're going to be. Um, okay. Well, he has, you know, old, reliable Gronk. Um, and I'm very excited about, uh, another full season of Gronk. Hopefully, uh, I, you know, we will get all, uh, 16 games won't hurt himself. Um, Edelman is, you know, one of the sure, uh, targets in the NFL. Uh, him and Tom love playing with each other. Uh, Amendola came on towards the end last year. So I think that, you know, he could do something. Um, I liked what I saw from Dion Lewis in the preseason, but it's preseason. So, um, and I also really liked the acquisition of Scott Chandler as, uh, the tight end number two, uh, just because I feel like whenever the Pats would play the bills, uh, Scott Chandler would like go off for like seven and 75 with a yeah, cosine is a jet fan. He's like the biggest guy in the league and he's really scary and you'll play him and he'll have like five catches in the first quarter and then you'll never see him again, but you'll be like, man, that guy's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've dabbled with him on my fantasy team before. Never has been a great fantasy player, but he comes up big against the Pats for some reason. So hopefully uh, he can, uh, you know, uh, play well as uh, the second tight end. I think they're going to do a lot of two tight end sets this year, uh, especially until, especially with LaFell out for so long. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, you talk about like a a five-man lineup that they would throw with Gronk, Chandler, Edelman, uh, you know, one of the receiver, you know, the receiver du jour and a, and a blunt when he comes back or, or whoever. I think Dion Lewis may end up being that second guy there. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, that's still a pretty, uh, you know, probably above average sort of group of players for what Brady had during some of the, you know, like the middle 2000 uh, oh, years. Not- but what's what really scares me, you know, the, they're, they're solid at tackle with Volmer and Solder. But when you look at the teams they are going to be playing a lot, you know, the Jets, Dolphins and Bills. Uh, each one has has a more like absurdly frightening front seven and particular defensive line than the next. And it seems like the weakness of the whole team might be the interior O-line. So have they done anything to shore it up? Are you just as nervous as, you know, I am for the Patriots looking in that, you know, I mean, the Bills have Mario Williams, Kyle Williams, Marcel Darius, and that's probably the worst front seven in the division. Sure. Um, well, you know, Ryan Wendell is replacement level he's fine uh they drafted trey jackson and shaq mason uh you always like to have a shack on your team um yeah you know i i think that uh it's definitely they're, they're gonna struggle i think the offensive line and tom can be kind of statuesque back there um you know he he's usually pretty good at uh you know kind of pocket presence and feeling when he should get rid of the ball uh, but, you know, there'll be plenty of times where uh, he sacked. Uh, he, he fumbles a lot when he sacked. So, you know, I'm hoping to kind of limit that a little bit. Um, and I don't remember on which podcast, but you were talking about um, how, you know, Tom doesn't really move around a lot. Uh, and what I'll say about it is uh, on the rare occasions that Tom will decide to run, Usually, he's pretty like he, he knows when to pick his spots. Yeah, but that's happening um, once a season at this point when he's thirty. No, well, I mean, as someone who like watches every game, you know, on fourth and inches, 
Yeah, the wasn't he like perfect? Hurry up, right, right, right. Yeah, I don't consider yeah. that running, but yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't, okay, didn't, that's fine. didn't didn't he have that statistic that in, uh, till last year in his career he was like twenty two for twenty two on fourth and one sneaks or something? I don't like know that. if I've ever seen him stuffed on that. And what do you see? Um, obviously, he's not going to be playing now, but it looked like you were going to be stuck with him for the first month. So, did you see anything about Garoppolo that makes you uh, a little bit uh, okay about the future? Uh, I thought Garoppolo uh, played. Very well in, uh, I think it was the New Orleans game. He was terrible in the Green Bay game, but he, was, he played well in the New Orleans game. You know, granted, it was against, you know, a second rate defense and that wasn't even their A starter. So I take that with a grain of salt. But, um, you know, this is the same system that, you know, Matt Castle won 11 games with and was almost a playoff, uh, quarterback. So, uh, I think Garoppolo would have been, uh, Okay, um, I'm glad I don't have to uh, deal with that this year. Knock on wood, but I think it would have been okay. Yeah, you know, it's Brady was, um, you know, in 2013 he had a relatively a down season. He was closer to average, frankly. And then the first month of last year was similar. And you even heard some jokers, you know, in New England talking about Garoppolo. And then, of course, he went on a crazy tear the second half of the year through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. I was at that. Um, I was at the uh, the onto Cincinnati game. I was in. I was at that Cincinnati game where Tom went off and the the everyone was, that, was, was that the week, Tom Brady. Was that the week after the Kansas City game? It was. It was. Oh, okay. And everyone was picking Cincinnati and saying we don't see any reason why you should pick the Pats. And honestly, like they were terrible the week before. So yeah, they shouldn't have picked the Pats, but they just kind of put their uh, foot on the accelerator and didn't really let off the entire year. But you're confident that if Garoppolo had to step in for a game or two, things would be okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not. Not. All right. Okay. So let's jump now to the roster game. Um, You know, a a number of paths have been cut from the original 90 and uh, it's probably been hard for you to focus on on the training camp roster with everything else going on in the off season, but throw us a number one to a hundred and, and I have deciphered Akiva's secret code, but hopefully you haven't. So he will throw a random player at you. Uh, In honor of uh, my boy, Tom, give me 12 TB 12. Tell me about Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. He was the first round pick this year from Texas. Uh, he's going to be on the D line. I think they're, you know, hoping that he can provide some pressure. He's got very uh, big shoes to fill, literally from uh, Vince Wilfork. You know, I, I think he should. Uh, I think he should be okay. Do you think, by the way, they should get those picks back? They should get the deflate gate picks back. I think they should leave well enough alone. Uh, okay. I, I mean, they, honestly, they said they're not arguing care. with them. So. And, uh, and and to be honest, like Bill always trades those picks anyway, so I don't yeah. care. Personally. Right. It's not it's not the first pick. It's usually thirty two or thirty one. All right, give me another number. Eighty one. Okay. Uh talk about Matthew Slater. Matt Slater, oh man. Uh special teams master. Uh, he's made about like a hundred Pro Bowls in a row. Um there, you know, he, he lined up in wide receiver a little bit in the preseason. You're not gonna see him do that during this during the year. Uh he makes he just makes a lot of plays on special teams. Um one of our captains uh yeah i i can't tell you a whole bunch about what he does exactly but i'm glad to have him on our team wait i just have a question about matt slater he's you know a tiny skinny little special teams receiver guy his dad is a hall of fame offensive lineman like a a huge tackle is there a bigger difference between the playing styles of a father and son who both played professionally in the same league about uh uh that's a fun question I, i have no idea i have no idea no, they're very yeah, similar. Uh, Dell and Stefan, you know, Dell was just a three-point shooter. I mean, obviously, Stefan's much better than his father, but, you know, yeah, same I was, I was sort trying to of think, player. 
Yeah, I was trying to think if you had like like if uh right if if Prince if, if, if Prince Fielder's Fielder, son if Prince was Fielder like, was a shortstop was, like, was, a, like yeah yeah if Prince Fielder's if uh if was David uh, Cecil, oh, I was gonna say uh, Eric Young's son yeah oh yeah if they swap kids yeah they should have done that swap like kids. those Yankees in the seventies kid swap yeah yeah no but yeah that you know that Yankee swap it was kids and wives but what if it, it was, was like yeah, uh, it was. Nate Newton's son was like a white punter <laughs> that would be pretty big that's a big difference. Yeah, well, uh, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, I guess he could be adopted. Sure. Uh, or uh, whatever. Okay, one more number. <laughs> what about what about the tunes, uh, Nick and Al? Well, they both play the same position. Both Just receiver, one was very though. good and one is, you know, out of the NFL. <laughs> I guess. Um, all right, one more number. Uh, 20. Uh, Danny Amendola, let me ask you, since you know, we know about Danny Amendola. Um, yeah, is he is he a product of the system or do you think he, uh, what's it called, like, uh, you know, with the Rams, like that, he was actually playing well. Like, and for some reason, he's one of the only guys who actually came to New England and got worse. Or what's gone wrong with Amendola on the Patriots? I think Amendola um, just—he's had a trouble staying on the field. Um, and uh, you know, when we signed him, he was kind of supposed to be the uh, Welker replacement. Uh, but then Edelman, yeah, everyone's like, "Oh my God, he's gonna have 120 that. receptions," and you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just you know, he was inconsistent. He wasn't staying on the field, uh, and I just don't know if the trust was there between uh, him and Tom. Uh, I think you know a Super Bowl run last year, and the fact that he was, you know, he was uh, effective in the postseason. You know, he caught that uh, gadget pass from Edelman. Um, I-, I think that does a lot for the trust between him and Tom and. Uh, I, I think he kind of has to step up with LaFell out. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about Amendola, but he's burnt me before. Yeah, there's few people that I've been more wrong on than Amendola because Wes Welker, when he was coming out of Miami, he considered the Vikings before he signed with the Patriots. And I'm and I said to my dad when the Patriots got him, I said, "Oh, he's a nobody. He has you know fewer than 100 career catches. He's never had you know 700 yards. He's never had more than a touchdown. He had one career touchdown, I think, at that point. And then, of course, he immediately you know led the league in receptions for the next seven years. And so Amendola in St. Louis, of course, he was banged up, but when he was playing, he was actually really good. I thought, yeah, yeah, 85 catch season season for the Rams, and nobody does that anymore. Yeah, so I thought. Yeah, so I thought that he was going to be much at least as good as Welker, and then yeah, but he just hasn't stayed healthy. So I think Welker, I think Welker benefited a lot from uh, being opposite the uh, greatest Moss. of all time uh, receiving season ever. Um, I was yeah. super excited to see Randy Moss uh, hang out at Pat's camp this year. I think all Pat's fans have very warm feelings towards Randy Moss. Uh, are Viking fans the same way, Chester? Do they love well, him? We 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 loved him, and then he left on a bad note, of course. And then we were a little bit embittered about that. And then I was living in Boston, unfortunately, from 2007 to 2010, when David Ortiz, former twin, led the Red Sox to a World Series title. Kevin Garnett, my favorite athlete ever, led the Celtics to a title. <laughs> and Randy Moss, uh, my favorite Viking ever, led the uh, Pats to an undefeated season. So we were bitter about that. And then, of course, when he got traded back to the Vikings, uh, which Bill Simmons accidentally broke with a mistaken – DM that he actually tweeted out. Of course, I was so pumped that I, I found my Randy Moss jersey deep in the cupboards, and I immediately went to the next Vikings game, which was Monday night against the Jets. And then things ended very, very poorly there. And you know, he uh, insulted you know the poor caterer's food, and he seemed like a jerk. But you know, look, he, he, there was nobody more exciting to watch in his prime, both in Minnesota and in New England, than Randy Moss. 
like every time the quarterback dropped deep, whether it was whether it was Randall Cunningham or Jeff George or Brad Johnson or Dante Culpepper or Tom Brady, your breath just stops for a second. Well, as that, it's 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 just so exciting. Um, you know, even the so last I, play in the Super Bowl against the Giants, like you know, oh, and Brady threw that up, and you're like, oh, Moss is going to catch this, and he really, yeah. It was, you know, an People, inch away. Yeah, from, he didn't jump for that ball, of course, because he's Randy Moss. But if he jumps, oh. he maybe makes that catch and scores or gets tackled at the three. I also People was touched forgot by he had the go-ahead that... touchdown in that game also before the last yeah. Giants drive. Well, you, people should forget, mo- if you're a Patriots fan, most of the things about that game, to be fair, Mike. As you know, it's, it's funny. As one of these uh, rare creatures who's a Pats fan and a Yankee fan, I experienced. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no. What? That's, that's... <laughs> oh my goodness! I had to experience the 2004 ALCS and that Super Bowl on the wrong side. Let me guess, you're um, a Lakers fan, also. Times. Well, yeah. I, how are you going to defend being a How are you going to defend being a Pats fan and a Yankees fan? Okay, uh, I, I'm a Yankee fan because I was like put in Yankee clothes as a as a baby. Uh, I come from a family of Yankee fans, so that one was never going to change. I was born in New York. Um. My father is a cowboy fan. <laughs> <laughs> what is with this family? Oh man, my father's a cowboy fan. We have to have the whole Clarks up. on. <laughs> you guys, you guys should be in that NFL commercial. Like whichever generation, whoever is going to the Super Bowl the most in the decade of their formation as a fan is. <laughs> All right, sorry. Go ahead. So, so growing up, yourself. I rooted for the Cowboys because I wanted to be like my dad. And I in the nineties when they were going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, understood. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, and then I reached an age. Uh, Back when the Patriots were going to the Super Bowl every year. So you're going to be a Colts fan next decade? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Absolutely not. I reached an age no. where I decided that I could pick my own team. And what happened was when 24. Bledsoe went down, thank you, Mo Lewis, when Bledsoe went down in that game and Brady came in, I remembered Brady kind of getting jobbed at Michigan when he kind of had to switch time with Drew Henson. So I said, I hope this guy does well. And I started rooting for Tom, and I fell in love with the team. So I've been defending myself against being a front runner for 15 years now. Uh, but I am a very loyal New England Patriots fan. All right. I will just mention I actually witnessed the end of Drew Henson's professional career. In 2001, I was at a minor league baseball game in Pennsylvania. And Drew Henson was – you know, the, it was the Yankees AAA affiliate where we were playing the um, – the uh, Scranton, Wilkes Bar, who I think it's like the Phillies AAA affiliate at the time. And the score was like 18 to 2 in the eighth inning. And both sides initiated a um, like a benches clearing brawl. And Drew Henson slugged somebody and broke his shoulder and missed the rest of that season. And that effectively ended his career both with the Cowboys and with the Yankees. And I got to see it live. So, you know, kids, go go to minor league baseball games. You never know who will uh, end their career in a, in a bases ending brawl. <laughs> It was also fantastic because I went with camp, and so I was sitting with, with a bunch of uh, people who were not uh, baseball fans at all. But I was sitting with a bunch of folks who had never been to a baseball game before, and they were so confused slash entertained slash delighted, as we all are, by the brawl. But they couldn't fathom. They're like, what, what is going on? Because we're trying to explain the rules to them. And Between the 04 ALCS and that Super Bowl, which do you think hurt more for me? Well, in both cases, you had already won a whole bunch of championships. So I guess maybe the LCS because the Red Sox are a hated rival. No, nah, it was the Super Bowl and it wasn't close. Because you get the undefeated season, I guess. Uh, yeah, is, and I, yeah. I hate the Giants. Right. That, that transcended the Giants. just being a fan of a team, yeah. 
Wait, but you can't hate the Giants more than you hate the Red Sox. Yankees Red Sox is like the big is a much bigger. Oh no, bigger no, no. I, I despise the Red Sox also, but I've always hated the New York Giants. Boy, Growing you must confuse people. Yeah. You must really confuse people as a Yankees fan, Red Sox hater, Patriots fan, Giant hater. Absolutely. That's so, There's a bunch so of us in Connecticut, I think. But you, are you, you hate the Mets and the Jets, I'd imagine, from both angles. I'm, you know, I'm okay with the Mets. Um, the, Jets the Jets are just there. I, I don't, I don't really. Oof. I, 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 I think, I think I hate the Ravens more than I hate the Jets. Yeah, I definitely well, hate the Ravens. They, they play in your league, the Ravens. Yeah, and by the way, I just wanted to say vis-a-vis Moss, I also was very touched uh, when Myra Kraft passed away. Randy Moss sent a very nice condolence letter, which which I think speaks more to to the Krafts, you know, how how good people they are. But it also, I thought it was nice that, that Moss sort of had connected to Myra. Well, Moss will get his number retired by Minnesota, right? Oh, of course. Well, he, he they needs hate him now. It'll take, it'll take a while. Pats, no, he should. He should. Uh, well, but, he, he yeah. spent so little time in the Pats. I think you could argue that maybe just the, the greatest receiving season of all time. Yeah, like, he had, well, you're he, never going to see a season like 2007 for Randy Moss. Never. He, also, he, he had what? Well, he had five seasons there, didn't he? Or was it just four? He was traded in his. Oh uh, yeah, in his fourth. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, the, he had such a historic season. Well, who knows? All right, so let's turn to the defense now. Sure. This is, I think, you know, the offense. At the end of the day, the offense is going to be fine one way or the other. But the defense really has a lot of question marks going into the season from 2010 to 2013. The Pats had a significantly below average defense for four years in a row. Look, not that it mattered. They won, they won 12 plus games every season. But last year, you had an elite defense. And I think a big part of that was the fact that you had Darrell Revis erasing half of the field. And now in the secondary, you lost not only Revis, but you also lost Brandon Browner and you lost Kyle Arrington. Now, we look, we, we know that Bill Palachuk has managed to stick, you know, Troy Brown and whoever else into the secondary with, with some success. But talk to us a little bit about how that secondary is coming together. And, and you know, we said that, that Brady's going to throw for 600 yards and 10 touchdowns tomorrow night. But why can't Roethlisberger do the same against this depleted secondary? Uh, oh, he absolutely can, for sure. Um, I, you know, with all the uh, hirings last year uh, for uh, coaching vacancies, I was surprised that I ne- you never really heard – Matt Patricia's name out, and he's the Pats defensive coordinator. So he did a great job with that Pats defense last year. Um, and I think he does a good job with uh, kind of mixing and matching guys. And you know, they're known for having like a bend, don't break defense. Uh, you know, sometimes they, they can come up unclutch. But um, yeah, but their, their secondary is, you know, going to be problematic. Uh, Malcolm Butler's never going to have to pay for a drink in the Massachusetts area ever again. Like everyone absolutely loves Malcolm Butler. I don't know if he's a shutdown guy. Except, I don't except, think he except is. Belichick. <laughs> yeah. Right. The loss of Revis is huge. The loss of Arrington. I loved Kyle Arrington. I, I, his loss. I, I was worse than Browner's for me. Browner. I was okay with Browner reminded me Akiva, a lot of your former colleague, uh, Ronnie Harrison in that, like once a game, he was good for just a stupid penalty and be like, ah, oh, like Browner. But you know, he, I like kinda, that we've he came up big in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Logan Ryan has been pretty garbage. He was almost he, Logan Ryan was almost cut. So he's I think he's fourth string now. Corner. I think McCourty, you know the weird thing. The weird thing, Michael, about this defense, like we, you know, because now we've gone through virtually every single team. And the, the the sort of the the trend in the league is like teams have these really good corners, right? And you have some like, yeah. you know, fantastic players on the D line. You have, you know, you have Sue and you have, you know, you have uh, all the guys on the Jets and all the guys on the Cardinals. And uh, you guys are the exact opposite. 
right? The Patriots, nobody has any good linebackers in the league right now, but the Patriots have like, you know, a, a handful of them, right? Yeah. Dante and Hightower and Collins and Spikes and Mayo, and nobody has any safeties in the entire league, right? And you guys have two really good safeties in McCordy and Chung. But the yeah, D-line yeah, yeah. and corner where everyone else is strong, you know, I mean, I guess if you count Chandler Jones as a defensive end, right, I think he stands up a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah. you know, then he's a good player. But other than that, you know, like you said, there's, you know, the corner, you know, cupboard is bare. And the D-line also compared to, like we talked about, the other teams in the division, you know, it's not even playing the same sport. Uh-huh. I think I think if Easley is healthy this year, I think he'll be fine on the D-line. Um, yeah. Uh, Jabal Sheard, I think, had a good preseason, so he should be a good end. Ninkovich is Ninkovich has a high motor. He just, you know, he's he's kind of in on a lot of plays. So, um, yeah, you know, they're not splashy guys, and they're not gonna be great. Um, but you know, I think uh, hopefully their their offense makes up for some of the defensive limitations. And hopefully, what about they, the loss uh, of what about the loss of Will Fork? Vince Wilfork is huge. Um, well, literally, and, yeah. <laughs> I, I, are you watching Hard Knocks? I am. I'm watching. Did you see, uh, did you see the, him the put Patriots, on the the overall? Patriots South? Yeah. Yes, that's fantastic. I can't. I've, I've always loved Will Fork and his wife, and but yeah, he's he's just great. I want to see I'm a old. whole like documentary about his wife. No, there, like there's always stories about like how like she's in charge and like she's the brains of the operation. I, I there was I, that video last year, right after the Super Bowl, where that Pats fan was wearing the Will Fork jersey. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was right next to Vince Wilfork talking about how much he loved Vince Wilfork, and he didn't know he was talking to Vince Wilfork. Right, because <laughs> there's a lot of guys built like Vince Wilfork walking around. Yeah. Um, I own uh, yeah, but a- Vince Wilfork is also, by the way, Vince Wilfork is enormous, and I guarantee that he could beat any one of us at a foot race easily. Oh, 100%. I'm, yeah. I have no interest in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Vince Wilfork's uh, wife a- could beat me in a foot race. Yeah. No, yeah, but I'm saying, but these guys are because fa- look, you do see a lot of guys walking around who look like Vince Warfare, not walking around, but you see them sitting on the back of the bus. You see, you see guys who not are, you know, tall. I'm saying you see enormous people almost every day in New we York. We travel City. on different buses, I guess. So, listen, I, I see, you see people like that in New York City every day. But the fact, but that's what I'm saying. The fact that he's that size, it's it's sort of it's sort of like the the Muggsy Bogues thing in the opposite direction. He must be an insane athlete, and if he was smaller, I think he could be a wide receiver in the NFL. The same way, if Muggsy Bogues was six foot six, he would have been Michael Jordan. Because to be that athletic at that size is just incredible. I loved the montage of him playing basketball too. Yeah, that was a good one. All right, so you know we've covered this team inside and outside. Now it's time for everyone's favorite uh, segment. Although I said that about the roster game for Akiva. So I guess this is my favorite segment. Let's go to the schedule. Uh, we already know a lot of these games because they're going to be on national TV and because we've spoken to your opponents in every single game this year because yeah. the only teams we have left are the Packers and Seahawks and we haven't got to the... Uh, you guys aren't playing them this year. We're not. Uh, you get the NFC East. But let's uh, start in week one. Tomorrow night, Thursday night football against the Steelers. You can still get a ticket for $305 on StubHub. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm there. Um <laughs> I think the Pats win this game. I think uh, the Steel- it's a terrible spot for the Steelers with no Lev Bell, uh, no Bryant, and the fact that they're opening the season on the defending champions' home field. They have to see the banner being dropped. The only, the only team that's ever kind of won that as the road game was the Cowboys a few years ago. Uh, yeah, I think, I think those defending champions are 8-1 and one since they went to that. Is that right? I think so. 
But didn't, okay. didn't Bal- did Baltimore lose to Denver a couple years ago too? Yeah, that Brady. Was weird. Yeah, it was yeah, in Payton, Denver. Payton, yeah, Payton threw eight touchdowns. Yeah, it was weird. So it yeah, but, Denver, but it was though. it was at Denver. So it was, yeah, it didn't. Oh, it's back when the Orioles. Right, that was because they got moved because of some others because of the Playoffs. Orioles. Wasn't it the Orioles? Yeah, it was the yeah, Orioles yeah, regular yeah. season game. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that's a win. Week two, you go at Buffalo to face Rex Ryan, who has always played the Pats pretty closely. Yeah, he has. I'm gonna call that a loss. I think we uh, oh, I think we lose wow. week two to Buffalo in Buffalo. Wow. Yeah, so a big, I, I a big emotional letdown after that big week one win. Yeah, and you know Tom is twenty games over five hundred in his career against the Bills. So uh, I think we have that working working for us. But I, don't know, I feel like Rex is going to throw everything to the wall at this game, and I, I feel like this is a game that the Pats uh, drop. You seem to be on a first name basis with Tom. Uh, we discussed at the end of yesterday's podcast uh, his marital situation. Do you have any updates on that? Well, apparently you haven't uh, seen the. Uh, the carefully scripted response from his lawyer today about how they have a great relationship and everything. Anytime is- someone questions my marriage, I bring my lawyer in, <laughs> into it also. So that's. <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll we'll stay tuned for that. I guess. All right. So you're one and one. Yes. You come home to face Jacksonville. I would imagine Brady also has a winning record against the Jaguars in his uh, career. I don't believe he's ever lost to the Jags, and I believe this, that will This will continue. be the biggest um, – I'll predict now. This will be the highest percentage of survivor or eliminator uh, of uh, the last 10 years. Patriots Akiva, on the Jaguars. No, 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 no. I disagree. Akiva, no way. Because in week three, people aren't wasting a team that good on a team. Like, well, you know, it's you're not wasting. You use the Patriots in week three. You, what, are you going to save them for, up because if you, you're going to save them for week you, seven when they lose to the Jets? Come on. If you look, look they have at, a lot of gimmies. They're playing Washington at what, home. They're playing... Yeah, I mean, they're playing like, Tennessee at home. Ten, that's on. much later in the season. You wait, wait till week fifteen to use the Patriots, and you'll be look, out. It, it depends on the size of your survivor pool. If but, you look at the sure. week one matchups, there's no good survivor. Really? Week one. I haven't. It's I haven't terrible. looked at uh, at our. It's survivor terrible. Pool. I looked at it today. That's not Awful. good. That's not good. Um. All right. Fine. So is that a win or a loss? The Jacksonville game. Uh, that's 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 a win. <laughs> uh, it will be a okay. win. Uh, and by the uh, way, Akiva, yeah. I hate to tell you, but uh, I think that one of the options in week one in Survivor is your beloved New York Jets. Uh, yes, I think the first two people who picked picked the Jets. I really should get on uh, picking that, by the way, before people start saying picks. All right. So you guys have that early buy and you already had a mini buy because you start the season with Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, you have that first possible buy in week four. And now at two and one, you go to Dallas for what we said will be the most watched game of the regular season. I'm worried about this game. I think if it wasn't for the buy. Uh, so if they didn't have the, the bye week to prepare, I would absolutely uh, say this is a loss uh, at Jerry's World. But with the bye, yeah, I'm still going to say it's a loss. I feel like Romo to Dez is going to happen a few times, and uh, I think they start 2-2. Two and two. Well, they did that last year. Didn't yeah. seem to hamper them. Yeah. Uh, and then, so then you guys go to Andrew Luck and the Colts on Sun- Sunday Night Football the next week. Um, until the Colts can show me that they can stay within – Two touchdowns of a pat of the Pats. I will always pick the Pats. So I'm picking the Pats in that game. Uh, and then you guys get your first look at Todd Bowles and the Jets in Foxborough. Uh, that is a win as well. And this is a really soft part of the schedule. You have a three game homestand here. Uh, or the next one's on Thursday night hosting Miami. Uh, they will beat Miami in Foxborough. Yes. What do you think about Miami? Um, I think good. Are the people are they real contenders in the division? People are really, uh, you know, selling them. Um, I don't know. Selling them, I, I people like, were buying you know, them. I thought, I, I weren't they? Well, they're selling them as contenders. Oh, you're mixing up your. <laughs> you sell the ones you don't. Contenders, like, the get your contenders like. here. Fifty yeah. like that. That's how I, I, Akiva's selling short on his contenders. Yeah. 
But I think um, people, well, I think people were buying them when they thought Brady might be out for four games. Sure. The, the Pats have never really, uh, and it's only happened a couple times that they face Sue, but they've never had a, a bunch of trouble with him. Cameron Wake has uh, kind of done some things against the Pats. Yeah, like, I, I think that Miami will be nine and seven. I think they'll be in the mix for a wild card, but I think they're going to fall short again this year. Kind of been the trend the past few years for them. Uh, and then uh, the last of the three-game homestand here, you host uh, Kirk Cousins, Colt McCoy, RG3, and the Redskins. Uh, I, it, uh, that's a Pats win. <laughs> okay. And then you face, you go to uh, New Jersey, and you face your uh, most hated rival at the Giants. Yeah. Uh, so remember what I said about... Um, you know, until the Colts can stick with the Pats for less than a touchdown. Um, until the Pats can show me that they can beat the Giants, uh, I'm going to have to call that a loss. I mean, those have been two, like, either way, three-point games based sure, on some sure. fluky, lucky plays. It's not like the Giants too, are blowing them. Which was frustrating. I yeah, think I actually, I, I, I might actually, I might actually root for the Pats in that game because I can't stand these Giants, oh, obnoxious Giants yeah, fans. Absolutely. Uh, and then you guys host the Bills on Monday Night Football? That will be a win. I feel left out as a Jets fan. You get a Thursday nighter against the Dolphins, a Monday nighter against the Bills, and the Jets games are just regular one o'clock games. Then you guys go to Denver for a uh, what could be a blockbuster Sunday night football game. I see that as a win. Is Manning going to be playing on November 29th? Yes. I don't know how effective he was rooting desperately for his downfall. Well, at this point, everything we've said has come true. You know, Tyrod Taylor's a starter. And, uh, you know, RG3 has gone. We're really, you know, like giving some bad juju to these teams. As a Pats fan, I've always wanted to hate Peyton Manning, but I can't. I don't. I've I hate him. I have oh, too much respect for him. I, Wait, you, I, 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 I thought you hated him. Brady. I keep you hate Manning also. I hate any anybody who's not you know on my team. Like if Peyton comes to the Jets, I, I like him. But I hated I Brett Favre like until we got him. You know, it's funny, Mike. I felt sort of. You know, I'm a Vikings fan, so I, I obviously hated the Packers. But I always had conflicted feelings about Favre. Also, I didn't. I felt I knew I was supposed to hate Favre, and I never really hated him that much in Green Bay. I didn't like him to be clear, but I didn't hate him. But then towards the end of his career, I started liking him. Before he came to the Vikings, I liked him in his feuds with Rodgers, and then I liked him on the Jets, and then, of course, I liked him a lot that first year, especially at least in Minnesota. So I, I do see what you mean when, when your rival has a really good player that you're supposed to hate, but sometimes you can't. Yeah, I, 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 I just have a lot of respect for him. I hate his brother. <laughs> I was going to say, what did Cooper ever do to you? But I forgot his name, so I ruined my joke. All right, so you're 8-3 and three now. Yeah. Uh, you guys come home and face the uh, Chip Kelly and the Eagles. I think that's a win. I think they uh, I think they can beat the Eagles. And you guys go to J.J. Watt and the Texans and your old buddy Vince Wilfork. What have you guys thought of Bill O'Brien on Hard Knocks? Kind of, We're kind of both uh, impressed with him. He's a really good speaker. Yeah. Uh, wait, no, 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 no. I strongly dissent. What? You don't like Bill O'Brien? I thought you were no. pro-O'Brien. Pro no, 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 no. What I said is that every single Pats coach who's gone elsewhere has failed. And I... Yeah, but if you just knew him from Hard Knocks, you'd be impressed with him, no? No, because I see in him exactly what I saw in Brad Childress, which is a guy who wants to adopt sort of the Belichick arrogance and attitude, but doesn't have the gravitas to back it up. I also, you know, I I listen to Hang Up and Listen, uh, which is a Slate sports podcast, which I really enjoy. And they were basically saying that Bill O'Brien is like the sine qua non. He is the most generic NFL head coach of all time, almost like he was made in a lab. He just spouts cliches. Nothing he says, I think the players listen to. It's all curse words. Penn State really slipped when he was gone. That's like a good, that's a good, you know, sort of measuring stick. 
I like I Vrabel a lot better on that staff. I think I think Vrabel's been the breakout star of that of that. It is back. interesting that they're talking about like moto, you know, like motivation guys, and they don't mention O'Brien. They're like, yeah, it's going to be Vrabel or it's going to be Watt or yeah, Vrabel could be a head coach for sure. Uh, see, I hate that whole part of being in it. No, but being in a, Bill Belichick is not a rah rah guy. Bill Belichick is really really smart and knows no, how he to doesn't con- give the speech in the middle. But don't you yeah, don't you get, love seeing Romeo Crennel in the middle there? I, I love Romeo yeah. Crennel. <laughs> oh, he's a, he's he's a cutie pie. I wish he was my grandfather. He is. He is like a grandpa. <laughs> He should be, I don't know, like, he might be, you know, he was out of his depth as a as a head coach. And even as a defensive coordinator, he needs, like, a solid system. But as, like, a D-line coach, he's, like, adorable in the corner there. All right, yeah. so what's the, happening the, in this the game? The only thing against Frabel is, like, sometimes he comes off as a dick on the on the show. Sometimes. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much people are going to love playing for him. But I don't, I've been impressed by him. He's uh he's he's been winning that curse off battle with with O'Brien, especially when you do uh, by the minute because he gets a lot less airtime. I own a Vrabel Chiefs jersey because I had to. I lived in uh, Kansas City for a year and taught. So before I went, I decided to buy a Mike Vrabel Kansas City Chiefs jersey. So there you go. Uh, and then so, right, so is that a, wait? Is that a win or a loss? <laughs> then I'm just trying to distract from. Uh, I think it's a loss. I think uh, Houston wins that game. All right, so then the last three games are pretty easy. Or at least the next two are really easy. Uh, you host the Titans, and Chester's saving this for Week 15 Survivor that he'll be out of by Week 5. Because <laughs> well, uh, I'm picking the Jets in Week 1. So. Oh, boy. You'll be out of it by by 3.55 on Week 1. Yeah. Um, count, baby. I think the Pats beat Tennessee. So you pick uh, – you, oh, Pats beat Tennessee. You, yes, you pick yeah. – uh, Chester, you, you pick the Jets, and then, it, you know, at about uh, – Eight minutes into the game, you're like, oh, like I bet my whole season on Ryan Fitzpatrick and he literally can't complete a pass to Brandon Marshall. And the Jets have punted four times already. And, you know, like they're already out of time commercials at CBS and it's one thirty five. And they'll still only be losing six. Nothing. Oh, totally, totally. And like the Browns will throw in some guys you've never heard of, you know, who are, who are like running all over the place. Oh, man. Thank God I can't watch Chester, that game. I live. might pick your Vikings for week one. Well, I, I try never to pick a road team in Survivor sure. if I can uh, afford it. And especially, look, I think the Vikings are going to win that game, but I'm not going to pick a, uh, you know, I, I want to see the Vikings do it before I, I jump all the way on the bandwagon. Although I did say they'd win that game by three touchdowns. Well, what about Miami? Isn't Miami like a pretty obvious pick for week one against against the Redskins? Could yeah, I thought it was in Washington. Oh, If it was in Miami, I'd definitely go there. Uh, Although, I, I not, not, not that Miami has any kind of home field advantage. Oh, no. That's true. Yeah. Uh, that might be where I go. Anyway, uh, so then you guys go to the jet. Uh, I believe that's a win. You believe, and uh, it a win. and and then <laughs> and then uh, you end the season in Miami, and you think, well, this will not be for the division or anything like that. I don't think so. I think they would have clinched. I'm going to call that a loss. So eleven and five. Yeah, that would that would be the worst record for the Pats since. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm a pessimistic Pats fan. Uh, you were probably expecting me to come on and say they were going to go like fourteen and two. I think they're. I think Vegas has them at ten and a half, right? Yeah, but Ve- Vegas, nobody's ever going to predict it to have more than eleven wins. Just because I think the Broncos just, were at like eleven and a half last year or something crazy like that. Yeah. What? Um. So you're eleven and five. You have a win against Indy. You have a win against Denver also. So yeah, and then you yeah, and, and you have a win against Pittsburgh. So you might be winning all kinds of tiebreakers. But you know what? What kind of seed do you see at eleven and five? I can see them being a two. Um, I think uh, Indy will. That might be a three, eleven and five. Yeah, I think Indy might have a better record, and so I can see Indy finishing twelve and four. Uh, Pat finishing eleven and five. 
uh, with an identical record to whoever wins the AFC West. There you go. The Pats will be back in the playoffs, of course. And ultimately, at this stage in their careers, I think that all they are caring about is another Super Bowl. I think whether they go 11 and 5 or 12 and 4 and 13 and 3 is, is less relevant. People are predicting sort of, sort of the know nothings. People like me are sort of saying, oh, what's going to happen is, is Brady and Belichick are going to run up the score like crazy, you know, like they did in 07 after Bygate, for example. Do you think that's going to happen and they're going to be like a record setting offense this year? Or do you think, you know, Belichick is a little more reasonable. Brady's a little bit older. They're going to try and you know stay healthy for the playoffs. What do you think? Randy Moss isn't walking through that door. Like they, they don't. They mean they, they don't have the guy where Tom can just close his eyes and throw up a jump ball and say, "All right, Randy, do your thing." I, I think they'll have a good year. I think there'll be weeks that they'll run up the score, but they do that every year. I mean, it's not like there was unique 2007. Yeah, and, and Tom doesn't need extra motivation. You know, he's just the most competitive son of a bitch that I can see. And I, I don't know. I, I I love Tom Brady and I don't know if I made that very clear. I, I, just, I believe in the fact that they'll be where they usually are. There you have it. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. You're on Twitter at unsuccessstory.com. Correct. Is that right? Correct. Uh, I, I hope that uh, the, an unsuccess story is the story of the 2015 New England Patriots season. But <laughs> nevertheless, I do thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, I've, I've wished good luck to most of our uh, guests' teams this year. Yeah, worst but I'm not of all. Yeah, I'm not wishing Where's the Patriots the any good luck. I'm sorry. Uh, and That's look, I, I actually do like Robert Kraft. I think he's a good person. I think you know he's a very charitable dude. But um, I can't root for his football team. Uh, although it would be great to see Roger Goodell have to grit his teeth and you know that'd be pretty funny uh, to see yeah. you know see them on the podium together. But you know we'll 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 see what happens. Maybe we'll have you back for our our postseason podcast, depending on how the New England season goes. Good there luck, go. Michael. Love to have it. Thanks thanks for joining us. Akiva, we have two teams left, the two best teams in the NFL. Although, you actually had New England ranked number one. So, according to you, the second and third best teams in the NFL. Yeah, Jets and the Redskins. Can't wait for tomorrow's podcast. Yeah, so uh, we're actually uh, welcoming a former roommate of yours to discuss the Seattle Seahawks tomorrow. Is that correct? Uh, yes, much to his chagrin. That he was your roommate, that he's going to be a guest oh, on the podcast, all of he the above. Has he has nightmares about being my roommate still. <laughs> Too bad he wasn't your roommate for the past month, because as your wife could attest, he barely would have had to see you, because he would have been recording podcasts all the time. That's true. Although, I guess when you were his roommate, you probably only had one room, so you would have been recording them in that room at 3 in the morning, pissing you off. It would have been awkward. It would have been awkward. Yeah. All right, so we'll be back tomorrow to discuss the number two-ranked Seattle Seahawks. Have a good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.